Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Central London service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Hi, friends. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, friends. I just left my notes uh, there. Uh, amazing. Thank you, lovely. I feel like we needed to be faithfully present to that chapter. Amazing. We can all say together, harp, lyre, zither, <laughs> everything else that was played. Um, amazing. But what a passage. What a chapter. Um, if you've joined us this morning, we are in a series where, that we have called Faithful Presence following Jesus in a broken world. And Dave so brilliantly captured this when he spoke last week, which I will just kind of repeat what he said. In essence, just to describe this and to ground this, to, to get into our hearts what we're gonna be giving our spirits and our attention to this term. The world is broken. Personally, publicly, and globally, we know that. The world is broken. But that does not mean that we retreat from the world but actually we follow Jesus into it because he is faithfully present, which means that if we have chosen to be followers of Jesus, we too are faithfully present, bringing all that we can to see renewal in every area that we live and work with the skills and the gifts and the talents and the vision and the passion that we have to bring that for good. That is what we are giving our hearts to this term. And we're looking at that through the lens of these four amazing young men. They were probably late teens, early 20s. Um, Daniel, they were originally called Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But because their nation had been captured by King Nebuchadnezzar, they had been brought into exile and they were now captive in Babylon. And these guys had been chosen amongst others to actually be brought into the king's palace. And they went through this three-year intensive retraining program to conform them to the ways of Babylon and the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. And while they were there, they were actually renamed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so that is where we find them today. And we find them um, in chapter three. This is chapter three, and this is quite a wild situation. King Nebuchadnezzar is furious with rage because he has set up this gold statue and they refused to worship it. And he'd seen this gold statue from a dream in chapter two. And it spoke of his power, but instead of submitting his power and his position to God, he actually craved it all for himself, which meant that he then demanded that everyone of every tribe and nation worship him alone. He wanted to that all for himself. But as we read, there were some that would not obey. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their disobedience to Nebuchadnezzar was not going to go unnoticed. These three men had been promoted to prominent public positions. This was risky behavior for them. They were public. They were in prominent positions. And Nebuchadnezzar has summoned them before them. (coughs) And he's threatening them with death, literal death. And he taunts them with the question, which God do you think can save you? Which God can save you now? (laughs) Here you are in front of me. He was basically saying, I am the one that holds all power. 
I am the one that holds life and death in my hands. Which God do you think is going to save you if you don't obey me? He taunted them with the vain promise of freedom when he said, but listen, if you go away and change your minds and you do bow down, then all will be well. Except that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego responded to this threat, a very real threat. I mean, can you imagine? Like these aren't just nice stories we tell. This is, this, they were stood in front of the fire. They were stood in front of these words. They were stood in front of these two options. And this is what they said. King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the furnace, the God we serve is able and he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not serve the gods or the idols that you set up. What a response. (laughs) What an incredible response spoken with such clarity. And this decision that they would choose when there was two ways before them was not taken in that moment. They did not make that decision there and then. They arrived in Babylon with that decision made. When they were taken into the king's palace and they were um, put through this regime, they were supposed to be dining and whining on the best food and the best wine that King Nebuchadnezzar could offer them. And there's nothing wrong with good food and good wine. Um, It's often actually used as a symbol of provision of God throughout the Bible. But in this season, in this situation and circumstance, they actually knew that they could not accept the riches of the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar. They needed to separate themselves from that kingdom so they could, they could stay alert and attentive to the kingdom that they were part of, to the ways of God, a kingdom that doesn't have any boundaries but is a family where there is only one king. And so they made that decision at the table and they said, We're only going to actually eat veg and water and watch. And because they were faithful to God, they were promoted and promoted and promoted. Then we find them that they actually refused to obey the king. And so we find them in front of Nebuchadnezzar in this moment with the decisions behind them over what to have for dinner that maybe only five of them knew about to who they were going to bow down when they had a public position of authority, still saying no. Their faithfulness was in every season. This trust in them in the small things had trained them to trust God in the bigger. The words coming out of their mouths in this moment were the decisions that had already happened in their heart. They'd already given their lives away. They'd already surrendered to God. They'd already decided life or death. It's all God's. We're all in. We're all his. And this is faithfulness. A heart decision cultivated daily that spills out into every decision and situation and circumstance that we will find ourselves in. A heart decision that means tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in conversations, in our work, in our family, in our neighborhood, is spilling out with whatever we are faced with. The words coming out of our mouth are a decision that has already been made in our heart. And this happens time and time again. We find in the Bible there are so many incredible stories recorded of people who have been faithfully present in this way. People who have been faithfully present through fiery circumstances. Because Shadrach, Meshach 
Abednego, <laughs> such a mouthful, I feel like I just want to say S-A-M, <laughs> S-A-M <laughs> and Daniel were faithfully present, actually because they stayed, they enabled their kingdom to return to their own land and following them because Nehemiah was faithfully present, he helped rebuild their land because Esther, an amazing woman, was faithfully present. She actually saved her people from death in another situation and we go throughout time because the disciples of Jesus were faithfully present to wait for the Holy Spirit. The early church was born and we have church as we know it because the early church was faithfully present to who they were and what God has asked them to do. We get to sit here. We have got to hear of the good news of who Jesus is and the life and the love and the freedom that he invites us into. Because Paul was faithfully present, he penned the letters to this early church that we now have as our Bible. And so we could go on throughout generations and ages, millions of people whose names we will never know, but who have been faithfully present to their time, their generation, their situation which has changed history for good that we now live in the fruit of and there's this amazing image in Hebrews that I love and I just imagine this it says this therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I don't know if this is theologically correct, but I imagine this image when I am out and about and I am sensing, oh, okay, here we go. Here's some sense of difficulty or whatever it may be. And I imagine this crowd of witnesses going, come on, <laughs> like, come on. I imagine them cheering us on as they pass the baton of faith to us here in this city at this time. Come on, like, keep going. Don't lose heart. Stay faithful. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Be courageous. Be strong. He's worth it. It's worth it all. Come on. Like we did it. You can do it too. We weren't anyone special. But it says in Hebrews 12 that because they were faithful, their weakness was turned to strength. We have an incredible crowd of witnesses surrounding us and cheering us on that we get to be part of. We may never find ourselves in the history books. <laughs> Our names may never be recorded anywhere. But in the Psalms, David wrote of a book that is being recorded that contains the days of our lives. And I imagine, who knows when we get there, when we get to eternity, when we meet Jesus face to face, if we choose to live this way, when we get there and it was like, because Michael was faithfully present, whatever. Because Philippa was faithfully present, whatever, because Solomon was faithfully present, because Christchurch London was faithfully present, because the church was faithfully present. Who knows the stories that will get told about us and recorded in the books? Who knows what we will get to be a part of? We are entrusted with a time, a place, and a generation. And we're entrusted to be faithfully present through the fire. As I was given this title, Faithful Under Fire, for today, 
I actually feel like this has been the topic of my last few talks in some way or another, peace in the storm. <laughs> Build your house for when the storms come, faithful under fire. <laughs> I was beginning to wonder if I'm being told something, but here we go again. <laughs> faithful under fire. Because the truth is, if we decide to be faithfully present, we will come under fire. It's going to happen. It's not an if, it's going to happen. Jesus says, you will know trouble in this world, but take heart because I've overcome the world. That is the context that we are living in. The key to faithfulness is found in the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's this. If we are thrown into the blazing fairness, the God we serve, the God we serve, they could stand there in front of this fire and say, the God we serve, they knew him. They knew him. They knew the God they served. They knew his nature and his character. They knew his friendship. This is what it is to be a faithful presence. Faithfulness isn't striving. Faithfulness isn't trying to work for approval. Faithfulness isn't trying to earn anything or prove anything. Faithfulness isn't carrying the weight of the world on our own shoulders. Faithfulness is heart to heart. Faithfulness is surrender. Faithfulness is a friendship with the one who is first of all faithful to us. We can be a faithful presence because he is faithful to us. And we will be able only to sustain a healthy, faithful presence if our first desire is to be faithful to him, to be faithful to God, to be found cultivating our friendship with him. That is what is going to sustain us because the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us is faithfulness. <laughs> he actually empowers us and enables us to live faithfully. And my guess is that most of us here today have never actually physically been put in a situation like this because of the faith that we have chosen to follow. We have not been faced with death because we have chosen to follow Jesus. But just as a, a moment for us as the church that is part of a worldwide global family of church, there are many actually around the world who are facing this daily there are many who are daily encountering situations like this. This isn't just a story that happened years ago. One of the books I loved to read when I was growing up was by Brother Andrew, an amazing man who would smuggle Bibles in everywhere and actually help people find Jesus, find life through the Bible. And he started an organization called Open Doors. And if you did just think, Do you know, I want to pray. I want to pray for family around the world who are facing this situation. This is a brilliant website just to go to to help us to pray and engage with this. But here in London, I don't know if we will face this. Maybe we will one day, maybe we won't. That is not for us today. But there are still metaphorical fires that we have either all faced or we will face. That is the truth. There are fires of financial hardships, family difficulties, loss, confusion, illness, disappointment, violence, racism, injustice. There are fires that we will face in our own lives and there are fires that we will face as a city, a community, a nation. We will be put in front of fires. And when we do, there are two options that we have to choose. Who will we serve? 
Who will we know as we face those fires? There will be an option to stay faithfully present to the one who is faithful to us. And there will be an option to listen to the taunts that we are given. There will be no music that plays, that um, expects us to bow down, but there is music of another kind that is always calling to our hearts, to give our hearts away to other idols, to give our hearts away to things that we were never made for. That could look like anything, whatever it may be, the idols that we may face, whether that is self-popularity or pride or greed or money or deceit or jealousy or all the things that were meant to be good and beautiful and given as gifts that can actually become idols in our own lives. We will be faced with them. And it is a choice when we are, whether we listen to the taunts like Nebuchadnezzar taunted S-A-N-M with, If you just do this, then you'll be fine. Then you'll know freedom. If you bow down here, then it will all be okay. If you just give your heart away here, then you can find life. It's all a vain promise of freedom. God is the one who is only able to fulfill all that he promises. The response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego gets to the heart of faithfulness when they said, the God we serve. And I don't know if you know God or not here this morning, or if you do, it does our hearts good to remember the God we serve. It does our hearts good to stir up faith in the God we serve. He's told us who he is. He is faithful to us. He's promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is good. He is hope. He is a hope that anchors our soul through every storm. He is kind. His kindness actually leads us to repentance. He, is, he doesn't get angry. He is slow to anger and rich in mercy. He is love because he first loved us. That's how we can love him. He has all authority. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and I give it to you. He has victory. He died and then he came back to life and he overcame death and all that went with it. He is discipling us. He loves us. He delights over us. He sings songs over our lives and dances with joy. He is joy. He promises to turn our mourning into dancing. He is a good father. We have been invited into As I said, dancing, feel free to join in if you can hear the music. (laughs) That was actually happening. He heals. He is the healer. He comforts. The Holy Spirit was sent to remind us of everything that Jesus says and to comfort. The God we serve, the God we serve, the best thing that we can do to be faithfully present is to make one decision, to make one decision, and that is to give our hearts to friendship with him, to surrender to him. Honestly, If we want to decide to be faithfully present, that's it. (laughs) Surrender our hearts to friendship with him. Whatever happens, wherever life may take me, there is one decision that I am intent on living, to be faithfully present to my friendship with him, that my heart may be faithfully present to his. Faithfulness to God saves us from being like Nebuchadnezzar and building our own kingdoms and actually invites us to build a kingdom that is so much bigger than us. It invites us to be part of a community, a family that is all about joy and freedom and life and hope. It's about being part of something that is bigger than ourselves. 
pursue your relationship with him. Prioritize it, treasure it. More than anything, let us delight in the fact that we are sons and daughters of a good father. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew the God that they served, they were able to say, God is able and he will, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or bow down to the idol that you have created. Being faithfully present is to be faithful to his presence as provision. His presence as provision. God loves to provide for us. He loves to provide in lots of different ways. I have known his provision in my own life. But if we simply acknowledge the provision and end it there, we are going to be kept from the friendship that we were made for. Every provision that he gives is meant to point us to his nature and his character, to who he is and how known we are. It's the tension as we're faithfully present of asking what our heart's desires are, of believing in prayer that he is able and he will, which he calls us to do, but also saying, I trust you. I trust you. And even if you don't, life or death, it's Jesus. Even if you don't, as Paul wrote, everything else is worth nothing compared to knowing you. Sometimes being faithfully present will mean being delivered from the fire. Sometimes I have known in my own life where I have been protected and I have been delivered from fires. I have never actually gone there and encountered them. Sometimes as a city and as a nation, we have been protected from fires. That's what God's deliverances look like. And other times we will encounter them. We will encounter them and it will be his presence in the fire that will be his deliverance for us. One of the men that Open Doors works with is a man called Pastor Abdallah. And he is an in, incredible man from the story that I have read of him. And when war broke out in Aleppo in Syria, he felt that God asked him to stay. He felt that God asked him to remain there. And he said it wasn't an easy decision, obviously. He risked horrendous persecution and violence. Yet he believed that his faithful presence in that moment was to stay there and to be a beacon of hope for others and initially helped many people with the media aid that he needed but as today there is beginning the slow emergence from that devastation and that war it says that Syrians are starting their lives and communities afresh and Pastor Abdallah is there to help as people are returning home he is there to help and he says we need to encourage Christians to stay. We want to see a better future for Aleppo and Syria. As a church, we want to stand next to people and help them. And their church has become what's called a center of hope. And they are now providing relief aid, medical care, vocational training and loans for people to start small businesses. They're doing trauma care, children's activities. They're running alpha courses, marriage prep courses. They're getting involved in the everyday of people's lives because he stayed to be faithfully present. There's a woman um, who inspires me when I leave my flat in Bermondsey. I don't know if you've ever been down near the river in Bermondsey near the Albert pub or the Angel. I always call it the Albert, but it's called the Angel. The Angel pub. And there's a um, 
photo, uh, statue of Ada Salter um, just near the river there. And Ada Salter and her wife, Dr. Um, Alfred Salter, were an amazing couple. And they moved in, 18, in the mid-1800s to Bermondsey, which was then known as, a, as an area of slums. And they moved there. Um, Dr. Salter was doing research into how to stop infectious diseases from spreading. And he was a renowned doctor and so could have set up a high-end practice anywhere, but he chose to set it up on Jamaica Road. And he would not charge people either very much or nothing at all for his services. And he came to be loved by his community, who so on, like treasured his presence there and Ada Salter was an amazing woman and her mission which I just love she says she wanted to make Bermondsey happier and holier and she came with this heart to make it happier and holier and got stuck into life there into everyday life um, she became the first woman counsellor in that area. Um, they actually went on to have a daughter called Joyce, who really sadly died when she was age eight of scarlet fever, the very thing that her dad was working to eradicate. And it could have been so easy for them to leave at that moment. But it said through the turmoil and the grief, they chose to stay. They chose to stay with the community that they had come to love and who had loved them. When Joyce was ill, it just says crowds of people would be gathered around their house every day wanting to know how she was. And there was a community grieving when her and so many others died. But Dr. and Ada Salter stayed, and they went on to do all that they could to make Bermondsey happier and holier in whatever way that, that, that they encountered. They did pioneer, Ada actually herself did pioneering research in social housing. If you go down now, you'll see lovely areas of the way that Bermondsey has been laid out. They actually um, uh, campaigned for the green belt around London, so there could be some sense of beauty and greenness around in the city, recognizing the impact that that could have on people's physical and mental well-being. She campaigned against pollution in the city. She worked tirelessly on behalf of the rights of women at work and campaigned for an equal stature in that respect. In 1922, she became the first woman mayor in London. She planted in the 1930s 7,000 trees in Bermondsey. If you stand on Tower Bridge now, you just look out and actually see this green space. Um, and one thing I am so grateful for in our block of flats, um, outside every flat is a window box because she thought that if there could be some beauty in the midst of all this, it will inspire others to actually engage with and create and celebrate beauty also. She has left a legacy that I am enjoying in Bermondsey and also because they were faithfully present through the fire, through the grief, they actually changed the city as we know it today. Their intent to bring happiness and holiness to a place is beautiful. For some of us, being faithfully present will mean staying physically. And it may also mean being faithfully present in the prayers that we pray for others. It can be physical presence. I have people who pray for me, and I am so grateful for it. When I, I have about three people who say, I pray for you every day. It blows me away. It blows me away, and I think I want to be that faithful presence in other people's lives, to pray for people each day to, that they would come alive in the love that we know. Sometimes we may assume that God's faithfulness is keeping us from the fire. And that is what can lead us to retreat and stay safe. 
But if that is where we are, we're going to get stuck. We're going to get stuck there. And we're going to actually get stuck in disappointment. And then we're going to get stuck in cynicism and apathy and hopelessness. And so if we are stuck, it's okay. (laughs) If maybe you think God has never come through for me or how can I be faithfully present because I don't know where he is, can I encourage you not to get stuck there? There's actually a promise in the Bible that says if we're going through suffering, it produces perseverance and then it produces character and then it produces hope, which means that hope can actually come from our suffering. It's not just a byproduct, but it can be a a product of it. Philip has spoke of it in worship so beautifully this morning that God is the God of the encounter. Who wants our story to be that he has been faithfully present with us? His presence is his provision. Faithfulness engages the pain of disappointment. The Bible is full of lamenting, of personal and public lamenting, communal lamenting, engages the pain. And then it says, Even if this doesn't go how I wanted it to or how I expected it to, I will trust that your presence will meet me here and will walk me through. This is faithful presence. God didn't keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire. No water miraculously appeared and put it all out. They went in it. But then King Nebuchadnezzar, leapt to his feet in amazement and asked the advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up in the fire? They said, yeah. And he said, look, I see four men, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. There is always another. There is a fourth one in the furnace. There's a song from Hillsong, I wonder if the band would like to come up, that says, there was another in the fire standing next to me, There was another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another in the fire. If we choose to follow Jesus, if you're exploring it, you're so welcome. If you want to make a decision, go for it. If we choose that, there will always be another. This is our song. This is the song that we get to sing to the one who steps into the fire and walks with us, to the one who is faithfully present to us so we can be faithfully present. Four things, just to wrap this up. Pursue and receive friendship with God above anything else. Find, create, and stay in community. The guys did this together. Stay humble. Use everything we've been given for the glory of God. We're not building our own kingdoms Trust his presence to lead us through. Don't look to the answers to prayer that other people are getting. Trust his presence in your own situation, in our own situation. Shall we stand and sing? We're going to sing a song that says, It was my cross you bore. You are worthy of it all. I'll just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that the God we serve, (laughs) the God we serve knows us, that you are the God we serve that is first of all faithful. And I pray for every one of us as we head out into this week, as we head out to live the lives that we are living, as we head out into our everyday, 
Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live faithfully present to friendship with you, faithfully present in a way that overspills into every circumstance we find ourselves. And as we worship you, would you bring to light whatever you may want to? Would you embed this in our hearts however you may want to? We look to you, you are the one who is worthy. You are the one who is worthy of all our worship. You are the one that we can stand in front of idols and say they are nothing compared to knowing Jesus. Thank you.